0: Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Holt Norris, joined by my good friend Jordan Brooks. We call him JB. What's going on, JB?
1: Pretty well, Holt. Um, today is Sunday. We've completed, what, how many weeks of the season now? We've completed 11 weeks. We just did weeks, week 11. So we only got two more
0: weeks left. That is hard to believe. This whole season's flown by. Yeah, it has. um, And yesterday was not the most exciting. But, um, oh, I did want to say something real quick. We did have a listener reach out to us. um, And I haven't said anything to you about it because I think it's kind of funny. But uh, at the beginning of every episode, I ask you um, what's going on. And you always answer by saying pretty well. Do you notice that? I do. I mean, that's just... uh something i'm always gonna say <laughs> i mean
1: that's what i mean if you listen to all the other uh podcast radio shows like if you hear a pile of paul feinbaum's callers he always says like well thanks pretty well thank you like how you doing paul well thank you <laughs>
0: yeah but i ask you how it's going and you say <laughs> well, or i say what's going on i'll and take that you feedback say, you
1: know what I'll, I'll mix it up and maybe say next time uh, i'm not doing so well today how about you
0: yeah, but I think it's because I'm asking you what's going on, and you're saying pretty well. Like I'm asking you, how are you doing? But I'm just asking what's going on. Nothing. Yeah, that that would be a, <laughs> that would be more like. And I did notice it. I just think it's funny that you say that. So I just I just let you keep saying it. But I did I did tell this person that I would bring it up on the next podcast.
1: I like that. So I've already said it again. So now this person's going to say, "I told you so." Yeah, that's right. So you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna practice and have a new script for the next podcast.
0: All right. Well, anyway, um, a lot of exciting uh things going on around college football that did not involve the games yesterday. Um, so this is gonna be a little bit different of a podcast. We're not gonna spend too much time recapping the games from yesterday because let's be honest, it's not the most exciting news that's going on in college football right now. Um, you know, obviously we do have some coaching search um stuff going on uh, we already have our first firing and we got some rumors around a couple more um so we'll go ahead and get we'll get into that uh but we're first we're just going to recap real quick um what happened yesterday um you know we'll just go through them jb if, if you want to jump in offer any insight on any of these games or you can just wait until the end and then just think of a couple of things just however you want to do it not much really to but, talk uh, about with these games. God, all of them were yeah, yeah. shitty. They were all, they were all. It was disappointing. They were all blowouts. But um, very disappointing day. So uh, Georgia takes care of business against Ole Miss, fifty-two to seventeen. Carson Beck had a big game, thrown for three hundred and six yards. Um, Alabama took care of business in Lexington against Kentucky, forty-nine to twenty-one. Big game for Jalen Milrow. Um, had an injury there on that first drive, but was able to gut it out and uh, you know end up having a great game. Uh, Missouri handles Tennessee at home 36 to seven, um, huge game for Cody Schrader, 205 yards on the ground, 116, uh, receiving Brady cook, 275 yards through the air. Um, so big win for Missouri. They keep rolling. Um, looks like 10 and two is very much, uh, um, a possibility for them. Um, Florida falls to LSU 52 to 35. Um, one of the best performances by a quarterback I think I've ever seen Jaden Daniels. 372 yards passing 234 rushing so just an amazing performance by Jayden daniels um you know he's uh the heisman uh, front runner for me personally i'm not sure if uh you know uh, if lsu's won enough games for them to get enough national attention but i think he has been the best player in the country so far this year um see south carolina takes care of vanderbilt very easily 47 to 6 Spencer Rattler had a big game. Uh, Xavier Leggett continues his great season with 120 receiving yards. Um, uh, probably the most surprising game from yesterday was uh, Auburn uh, handling Arkansas very easily, 48-10. to 10. Um, You know, if you're an Auburn fan, this is obviously, um, you know, really good to see these last three weeks, them get three straight conference wins. Um, and, you know, it's still a disappointing season, but good to see them, you know, take care of business here late in the season against uh, the easier part of the conference. Um, and then they'll have uh, New Mexico and then the iron bowl, um, to f- you know, hopefully finish strong and then a bowl game. Um, see, uh, Mississippi state falls to Texas A&M 51 to 10. Um, Jalen Henderson got the start for a and at quarterback, their third string, uh, Mississippi state, re- re- um, returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown went up seven nothing then proceeded to get outscored 51 to three the rest of the game just i don't think very many people watch this who aren't a and m or mississippi state fans but um it was about how it looks uh, mississippi state couldn't move the ball at all it was A&M, a very bad game a and m had great field position the whole game it was just uh just a really awful performance um for mississippi state um and then this will kind of lead into our uh
1: I was shocked too, cause- I would have thought the opposite coach in that game was going to get fired.
0: You would think so. I mean, you would think the losing coach in a 51-10 to <laughs> conference game would get fired, but no, the winning coach did. You never so, see
1: winning coaches get fired that day yeah. after. Well, ever. I do
0: remember Gus Malzahn getting fired after beating Mississippi State in 2020.
1: You are correct. You just don't see it happen often. It's usually like after a, a bad loss, like when they're like, okay, well, this is a good time to do it, Enough's enough.
0: So we will jump into the Jimbo firing news here in a second, JB, but um, did you did you have anything from yesterday you wanted to point out that maybe I missed or um, anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing that we notice in all of these games, like even in the midst of all seven of these blowouts, I can maybe only count a couple of these that were competitive even at halftime. Every one of these games, for the most part, was you know a dud from the start. I mean, Florida LSU was competitive. You know, well into the uh you know third quarter, um but almost Georgia that was over at half Auburn, Arkansas over at half Vanderbilt South <coughs> Carolina was over at half, Alabama, Kentucky was over at half. The only games that were competitive at halftime was Florida lSU and Tennessee, Missouri. Other than that, the other five were just blowouts from the start. It was just an awful day in the s e c and I think what hurts us the most is that we know next week we try to we try to build up excitement for the week before Thanksgiving, but it's really hard to do that. And then the final weekend, it's a lot of rivalry games with uh, in-state schools that are not in the SEC. So it's really just a disappointing end to uh, you know coming down the stretch here in November.
0: Yeah, I mean, rivalry week will be fun; it always is. But um, you know, week thirteen is always kind of a dud. Um, So next, you know, next weekend is not going to be the most the most exciting. Um, Or I guess it would be week twelve, excuse me. Um, And then you know, with rivalry week. We'll have some fun matchups, but a lot of uh, coaching things um, happening, a lot of rumors. Um, of course, we did get the breaking news this morning that uh, Texas a is going to be firing Jimbo Fisher, um, which, you know, we talked about on, on our preview episode that we thought he was probably uh, done for, although some reports did come out late last week that um, they were going to stick it out with him for next year. Um, that ended up not happening. So it makes me wonder if they have someone lined up or if, uh, or, you know, kind of, what the situation is going to be. Um, you know, obviously Pete Thamel did report, um, some names, JB. Um, there was one name that was left. we will read you the names that he uh, gave us in a minute. Um, or that he put out there. But, uh, one name that's not on this list, that was kind of surprising to me. was urban Meyer. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, he would probably be the number one name on the list. Now I don't know how realistic it is, but I just assumed that that would be like the first guy anyone would call.
1: I mean, I think he's going to be definitely a guy that they're going to reach out to. I mean, that whole list that Pete Thamel put out there, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. AM has so much money to throw around. Like, if, if you've seen um, how much they're going to be putting into this buyout, it's not just Jimbo's, um, I think, 76 million buyout. They're looking at upwards of 100 million and buying out his entire staff. Um, that is a lot of money. And then also, they're having to put out, I think, I think Andy Staples put out a tweet um, earlier that they. Jimbo's deal requires 25% within the first 60 days, which means Jimbo Fisher is going to be getting 19.5 million. You know, around the holiday season, it's a lot of money to buy Christmas gifts with.
0: Yeah, that's quite a Christmas bonus for Jimbo. <laughs> it is. Like, um, but just to uh, read you the names um, that Pete will put out there, and you know, generally the names that get put out there to me, this is more from like the agency like side of the world, where this is like agents trying to get their, their guy's name attached with jobs, you know, that's just sort of how I interpret this. So a lot of times, you know, you'll see the names get put out there. They won't always be, you know, the names that end up, you know, coming, uh, yeah. into the, you know, the final few names uh, for a job, but the names that Pete Thamel went ahead and put out today were Lane Kiffin, Mike Elko, Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, Jeff Trailer, Chris Kleiman, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury and Kalen DeBoer. And when I mentioned the thing about the agent, Cliff Kingsbury is like the first name I look at on that list, and I'm like, okay, that's that's like, you know, I don't see any way they would hire Cliff Kingsbury because he hasn't won anywhere he's been, including Texas Tech. I mean, he was there for the Manziel era, but I don't see that one as a legitimate name from that list.
1: No, I don't. And then um, on three with uh, Andy Staples, he put out a list too, and his list is pretty similar to uh, Pete Thamble's. The ones that I do see on this list that he did not include, I don't think he included Kalen DeVore. Um, he did not include, I think, Lance Leipold either, or Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, Jed Fish from Arizona. And then um, I guess, you know, even the worst list on this, you know, the worst guys on this list, which is a pretty damn good list for A&M, is Jeff Trailer. Yeah. I mean, that's really like – that's like the absolute floor. I mean, I've yeah. even seen some other names on here, like Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach, or Dan <laughs> Quinn from Dallas Cowboys. But, I mean, honestly, for A&M, if you had to ask me to predict right now who I think – their first candidate will be it's gonna be uh, Lane Kiffin. I think that's who they're gonna reach out to first. Um, I think they're gonna try to throw some money at him. We've heard in the past Lane Kiffin has said that, you know yeah, he's, not, he's, he's 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 complaining about how much NIL money he has. Well at AM there is not a school in the SEC that spends more on NIL and in words buying players than AM does. Like this AM job is way more attractive today than it was when Jim O'Fisher took the job, you know, five years ago. Like that's how attractive this job is now because all the pieces and resources are in place at A&M to be an absolute national power, top five, top 10 program. The one thing that's been missing is the coach to lead them. So that's, and I think any coach that's competitive and has that fire is going to want to look at that A&M job, even if it isn't a tough SEC. But that's who I think they're going to turn to first, but I think you and I were both talking before the podcast that we both believe that the floor for AM, like the worst their safety net, the worst hire they're gonna make out of this, and it's not even a bad hire, would be Mike Elko. I think they're gonna come away with the stud in this in this search and I think they would not have fired Jimbo if they had not known otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think uh Elko is the floor for A and think there's some names ahead of him that AM will reach out to first, but I think Elko who's the head coach at Duke. Um was the defensive coordinator for AM um at the beginning of the Jimbo era. Um, you know, has done a really good job at Duke turning them around. Um I think he I think he is one hundred percent would take the job. Um I think that a lot of AM fans would like him to take the job. Um so to me he's like the floor. I think you maybe take some swings at some bigger names first. Um, you know, I threw Urban Meyer out there. I don't know how realistic that even is. It's just, you know, you knowing Texas and m and like the money they throw around and like they just want like they'll do anything to win at this point. They
1: will and they know that Texas is coming to the SEC next year and they have momentum. They're trying to get that momentum back. I mean with this with the way college football stands today, you can get a and with the roster that AM has as well and NIL culture. They can get an instant turnaround almost in year 1 depending on who they hire. Um another coach that I do think that could be a potential target is James Franklin. And maybe James, and it could be because James Franklin has reached the pinnacle of what he can do at Penn State. It may be a good time for both of them to mutually part ways. And James Franklin, at the same token, can go to a school where, one, it's easier to recruit to. Two, has even deeper pockets than Penn State. So that is one that I would want to watch for as well as a, another potential target. Um, for James Franklin. Um, James Franklin, a few years ago, rumors were that he had flirted with his Tennessee job and was offered more money. Yeah. USC's didn't take it after then. him a few times. USC's come after him a few times. He didn't take it. Does he take the job now, knowing that he probably has reached an absolute ceiling at Penn State and maybe this is the right time to get out?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're A&M, you, you want to hire a coach who has the opportunity to take you to that next level. Um You know, I I mean, if A&M wanted to hire James Franklin, I I feel like there would be some pushback just because it sort of feels like, you know, all right, well, he's going to get them to, you know, nine, 10 wins consistently, which Jimbo was not able to do. But is he going to be the coach who can get them, you know, to winning SEC titles? You know, I think that would probably be the pushback there. But, you know, they could definitely hire a lot worse coaches than James Franklin for sure. Um, You know, just looking at some of the names here, I mean, Lane Kiffin, you know, I'm just not sure how great of a fit that would be. I know people talk about fit being overrated sometimes, but I do think it matters in some instances. And I'm just not sure Lane Kiffin is, you know, the type of coach who would fit in with Texas A&M and like the culture there. He's just like really laid back. And, you know, I'm not sure he would recruit at a high enough level for them. Um, You know, but that said, you know, I I think that A&M would be really smart to hire Lane Kiffin. Um, I'm just not sure that that would be the, that's not who I would hire if I was AM, but it would be a good hire. Um, and then I feel sort of the same about these three candidates. Um, not the way I feel about Lane Kiffin, but all together uh, and Mike Norville, Dan Lanning, and uh, Kalen DeBoer. All you know, three I, would be amazing hires. Yeah, they're all three going to be great hires, but I don't think they're going to leave their situation right now because they're all three in the hunt for the playoff. You know, they're all three at a school they can win at. You know, they've already been building up those schools. I just don't know if they're going to leave the situation they're at to take the AM job. Um, job. You know, if they could get one of those three, then that would be amazing. That would be, you know, top of the line hire, especially Dan Lanning. I like him a lot. We've seen coaches uh, are not afraid to leave Oregon. Um, you know, you look at Cristobal, you know, you look at um, uh, guys the Florida State coach. Willie Taggart.
1: Willie Taggart, yeah.
0: Um So we've seen coaches are, are not afraid to leave uh, that job. Um, so, um, you know, he could potentially be in the running, but it's just, man, I just don't see a coach leaving in the middle of a playoff run, you know, to take an, a, the A&M job, which, I mean, they, A&M has everything you need, but they don't have that winning history. Like, you know, a lot of coaches have struggled there. So I, I just... I'm not saying they can't hire one of those three guys. I mean, if they throw enough money at him, I'm sure one of them will take it. Well, I think
1: so, too. Dan Lanning would be the one I think would be most likely. He'd be
0: number one for me.
1: I think he'd be the most likely to leave um, between Lanning, Norvell, and DeVore. I think DeVore really loves it in Seattle. I I just think he genuinely loves that job. He loves the culture there. But if there is a time to leave Oregon or Washington, it's probably this year because next year is the transition to the Big Ten. Who knows how much – how more, how more difficult it can be for those two schools, especially, you know, everyone talks about the traveling and is it going to be as easy to recruit when those students that are going to those schools know how much they're going to have to travel to go to all those um, venues. So if there is a time to leave one of those schools, it could be now. So um, I would definitely, if I was a and you know, they are, they're going to talk to both of those. Could you, could you picture
0: a coach like leaving in the middle of like a playoff chase to take another job?
1: That's the issue. Now, I think that, you know, DeBoer and Lanning, like, if they both make the playoff, it could just be that um, they have an agreement in place behind closed doors, you know, through back channels. I mean, nothing's going to get leaked publicly. I mean, you know, that's usually how it happens. I mean, last year, I mean, Kiffin was set to take the Auburn job, and it was done through back channels, you know, via Jimmy Sexton and whatnot. But then the famous reporter from Columbus, Mississippi leaked the uh, hiring and then that just really ticked off Lane Kiffin. And he just like, you know, screw it. I'm not leaving now. I'm staying at Ole Miss. And I think I was just, uh, that's what's, you got to keep, you got to seal the leaks. But a lot of these are done behind closed doors. I mean, that's what happened to Brian Kelly before he took the, uh, you know, the LSU coaching job. Everything was done, back channels, came out of left field. I have a feeling this can be the very same thing that's going to happen with AM and And even though one of those hires, you know, seems feasible, it still can be something that comes out of left field, you know, like a Lanning or DeBoer where you're like, there's no way they're leaving in the middle of a playoff chase.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I think the, like the number one guy, like that I would go after if I was Texas AM. and m um, you know, I, cause I'm, I'm just assuming that Norville Lanning and uh, DeBoer, you know, are probably not going to be interested in talking about other you know, talking to other teams like while they're in the middle of the playoff chase. Maybe I'm wrong. It'll
1: be their agents. But
0: um the guy that I would go after that I think is the most realistic and would be the best coach for them, and we talked about him before on the podcast, um, is Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. I mean, you know That's another I, they'll reach he, out to he is a guy that he's just won everywhere he's ever been. And he's won, you know, I know it's the FCS, but he's won national titles there. Um, you know, he's run a dominant program at Kansas state. He's done a great job. You know, there's been some rumors with him, you know, about the Iowa job, about the Notre Dame job. He is originally from Iowa. Um, but if you're Texas A&M, I mean, you know, and everyone talks about like, oh, you need like a politician type coach who can, you know, balance the boosters and like, you know, the university people and all that stuff. Um, you know, nothing unites people like winning and if you want someone who's going to win games, I mean, Chris climbing to me is the ultimate, you know, winner. I mean, I think he, he recruits at a decent level for Kansas state. Um, he has, you know, won the big 12 last year, you know, and even this year with all that they've lost, you know, they had a, a tough loss early in the season. Um, you know, they, they had a, uh, the loss at Missouri also, um, God, I, did they lose a, did they, i'm sorry for blanking on this did they lose like an out of conference game maybe early in the season or they, they they or no they lost to oklahoma state is who it was which ended up being a good team um so they lose to oklahoma state they lose to missouri but since then they've been on like a rampage they've been killing everyone in the big 12 they took texas to the wire last week i mean he just he punches up he's a great coach I mean, he's offense, defense. I mean, they're, they're efficient on offense. They're physical on defense and disciplined. Like, he just wins. And to me, like, you know, he wouldn't run the sexiest offense. You know, he may not be like Jimbo in terms of a recruiter. I do think he would recruit really well at Texas AM. But, you know, to me, that's the guy that I would target, you he's know, is the most realistic guy who would absolutely take the job, who's affordable, who's going to win. I mean, to yeah. me, he's the best guy available. And I
1: guarantee you, if Chris Kleiman gets offered the AM job, he's going to take it. Um, that you, you you don't turn that job down. I mean, I'm sure he's happy in Manhattan. I don't think he's just going to leave Manhattan just to go anywhere, but AM is one of those places you will absolutely listen to if they come calling. And so I'm saying AM is in a great position right now because uh, they're likely going to be
0: the only. They're the best job that's going to be open this year.
1: It's the best job that's going to be open this year and, and definitely the best job in the SEC. Um, so it's a, it's a, I think that's probably part of the reason why maybe A and M pulled the trigger because they know they're going to be the biggest fish in a pretty empty pond. So they're going to have almost their choosing of who they want. And and like I said, they're throwing a hundred million to make Jimbo Fisher go away. They're going to have another you know hundred million to throw at the next coach and another staff. And that's that's just luxury when you have a school like A and M that has that kind of money. and Like the only other school. In the conference that's going to have that kind of money is Texas, which comes in the SEC next year. But oil money pays, and a and has that, and they have all the resources. And I've said, you know, countless times that a and is a sleeping giant. They've always been a sleeping giant. They have every resource in place to be a good program. Um, they have, you know, great facilities, great fan base and backing. Um, they, or they're in Texas. It's an easy place to recruit to the one thing they've always missed is the coach leading the program. And sometimes and sometimes you see that at a lot of programs. Um, Alabama struggled in the 90s and the 2000s because they didn't have a coach leading their program. Tennessee, for the last 15-plus years, struggled because they didn't have a coach. The most important aspect of any program is the coach. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, it'll, it'll be fun. I'm sure there will be some uh, a lot of news leaks coming out, um, so it'll definitely be fun to, to keep up with. Um. You know, and obviously we'll we'll um, keep up with everything as it goes on. Uh, but I did want to talk about a couple of other jobs that could potentially come open. Um, so it feels like for sure the Mississippi State job is going to come open. Um, there's been a lot of rumors this morning that the Arkansas job is actually going to come open. I don't know if you if you've been keeping up at all, but there's been uh you know some pretty some pretty serious rumors put out there this morning. I mean, we don't know. Um, obviously, for sure. The, no one who's making a decision at Arkansas is gonna be saying anything um until a decision's made, but it looks like the Arkansas job could potentially come open um you know I mean South Carolina and Florida you know I think are potential jobs that could come open I don't think that they will, but um you know especially South Carolina, I mean unless they just really finish the season poorly. I think Beamer is going to get another year and I, I do think Napier is going to get another year, but man, like that was a really tough loss last night. Um, you know, losing like that to LSU. Um, so, you know, just something to, to keep in mind, um, as far as any other jobs that may come open, you know, obviously we saw Lane Kiffin's job get linked with the A&M job. You know, he had a comment last night, you know, about, you know, Georgia having 24 five stars on their team and his having one, um, and, you know, that's why they they haven't really been able to close the gap with the top-tier teams in the conference. Um, you know, it, it's pretty obvious to me with Lane Kiffin, you know, he chased the Florida job a couple years ago. He's chased the Auburn job twice now. You know, he is looking to leave for a blue-blood type, you know, job. Is that going to be the A&M job? Is there another job that's going to come open? You know, I'm not sure. So the, the Ole Miss job is always going to be, you know, talked about until, you know, Lane Kiffin uh, – you know, either decides he wants to stay there for good or, you know, it does end up leaving, um, you know, but other than that, I don't really see any potential um, job openings, um, you know, with, I think uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, someone, I heard someone mention him for the AM job earlier today. Um, you that know, would be the lowest the, of the floors for him. The, the, the Iowa job could potentially be attractive to him also, but if that ends up coming open but yeah I mean for me AM, you know just to throw one more name out there I mean we said Elko was the floor you know Mark Stoops could potentially be in that category as well um, and the guy you mentioned earlier Jeff Trailer, who's the coach at uh, UTSA you know he you know I don't think that's where A&M would go I mean to me it just makes sense to hire someone who's already got power five experience but you know yeah. he is a name to keep in mind as well I
1: think Jeff Traylor is going to be more of a candidate for Arkansas and Mississippi State um, that's yeah. that's where I think that's that's really the pool that I think they're going to go to like, you know, as a, as just Jeff, Jeff trailer, I know the Michigan offensive coordinator um, also um, is, you know, potential uh, candidate um, for a couple of jobs too. Um, mm-hmm. Did you, I, I know this off topic, did you see his emotional and post game interview yesterday?
0: The Michigan coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was really, I mean, a couple of
1: F bombs and all that, but you know, I like that kind of emotion, so I have no problem with it.
0: Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll just, you know, just because we do expect the Mississippi State job to come open and the Arkansas job to come open, um, I assume that they will be, you know, after the same coaches or some similar coaches. Um, so I did just want to kind of talk about that for a second. Um, if Arkansas does come available, you know, the name that everyone's attaching with them right off the bat is Gus Malison. It sounds like he is really wanting to get back in the SEC. And that's he's where from he's from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's his dream job. Do you think Arkansas fans would be happy with Gus Malzahn? I don't think so. I think well, I think it'll
1: be a, a split. I mean, I I couldn't gauge the entire fan base, but I would think more people than not would not like the hire. I think there would be some people that would because they'll revert back to the successes that he had at Auburn. They'll also revert back to the Mustang or not the Mustang package, but the Mitch Mustang teams. Um, the Wild Hog, he's the he's the one that created that package and um. Integrated that offense, you know, with Houston Nutt at the end of his tenure. Um, a lot of people have some good th- feelings about that. I mean, Gus Malzon was a very successful coach at Springdale High School, which is next town over from Fayetteville. So, Gus Malzon knows Northwest Arkansas backwards. That's a, that's a, and like you said, that is a dream hire for, um, for, or a dream job for, um, Gus Malzahn. And I know Malzon wants back in the SEC. It's just would any school take him? If there is a school that would take him, I think it would be Arkansas or Mississippi State. I don't think their fan either fan base would be happy with it, but that's not the worst floor you can have if you have to go to that
0: route. No, I mean I do have some concerns about Gus Malzon. I mean I've you know if you listen to this podcast, you know back a couple of years ago. You know, you know my feelings about uh Gus Malzahn. I I think he's a he's an okay coach, but he just does not develop quarterbacks at all. Like no quarterback has ever gotten better under him. You know, a lot of times he'll bring in a quarterback for like one year and, and then, they look great the yeah, first year. They'll be good the first year or they'll be great the first year and then they'll be good to average the second year and like if Jared he, Stidham. Yeah. I mean they just seems like they just get almost regress under him. Um Bo Next, look how much better he's been since he right. left. I mean, right. it's just you know his offense is very gimmicky, you know, and, you know, he'll put up big numbers some, sometimes, um, and it's fun to watch, but he'll have other times where it's just frustrating. And, you know, again, not improving. And I just wonder, like, you know, Auburn is going to have a talent edge over the lower teams in the conference, Arkansas, Mississippi state, they're not going to have that talent edge. They're going to, you know, you're going to face a lot of teams that are the same or better than you. Versus Auburn, you're going to get a lot more games against teams who have less talent than you. So, um, you know, he did win the West twice. I believe he was at Auburn for eight years, won the SEC twice. Um, Nearly won or, a national or, championship. I'm sorry, won the, won the division twice. Should have um, won a national championship, blew a lead. Yeah. So, uh, you know, played in the national title game. That was his first year, though. I mean, so, it's a – man, it's a, it's a tough spot. I mean, I, I think if you're Arkansas or Mississippi State, you hire Gus on, I mean – to me, it's just kind of like a safe play. Like, you're just like, all right, we just were happy being like six and six, eight and four. um, And, you know, we know that he knows how to run a program, manage people. He's not going to, you know, I mean, not going to end up with any I think huge he's a safer, scandals. You he's know. a
1: better, safer play than Les Miles when Kansas hired Les Miles. And, I mean, it's, it is a retread. A lot of people don't like hiring retreads, but there's a lot of guys you could do worse with. I would rather hire Gus Miles on than some young 32-year-old offensive coordinator from, you know, a SEC or, you know, Power 5 school that like people are – Like
0: a Kendall, Bryles Kendall Bryles or that people something think like
1: that. that people, or Jeff Lebby. Like, I would rather just take the safety one. I'm, I'm just not one. I don't like schools um, hiring coordinators to be coaches. I get it. They have to uh, get their first job, but not at Power 5 schools. I think if you're going to be a coordinator getting your first-time job – I would only want to do that in a group of five. School. Yeah.
0: I mean, to me, that that's, that's where, you know, I mean, unless it's a, someone who has a connection to your school and they've really performed at the highest level as a coordinator, you know, I, I just, I like them to get their experience in, you know, the American or something like that, just to, you know, show what they can do as a head coach. Cause there's so much Before more, they get that opportunity. Cause we, we've seen so many exactly that I'm, don't,
1: that don't work out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, because there's so much more that goes into being a head coach than a play caller. I mean, because yeah. everyone's coming to you with all their problems. Every problem involved in the football program gets brought to your, you know, to your desk. When you're a coordinator, you're just focused on football. You're just focused on calling plays. You know, maybe recruiting. But you know, as a head coach, I mean, you're in charge CEO. of the whole team. You have to make every decision. You know, it, there's just a lot more that goes into it, and that's
1: the stresses I think we're seeing on Sam Pittman. I mean, we've seen some of his interviews this year. He doesn't have a Barry Odom to lean in on that was a former head coach. Um, he doesn't have, um, Kendall Bryles to take care of the offense for him. Like, but especially Barry Odom, I think losing Barry Odom was really the biggest loss, um, for Sam Pittman because he had a guy that was a previous head coach. But I mean, going back, like a lot of the coaches we've seen that are coordinators and other, you know, that have gotten big jobs. Most of them have not panned out. Um, Kirby smart is an exception. But remember, a big another hot shot defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp, did not pan out. Right. Got a job twice. Jeremy Pruitt, never worked out. Um, offensive coordinators, I know there's some off the top of my head that um, I can't think of. No, there's
0: more than you can, like – I mean, because I feel like the young offensive coordinator is always who people want to hire, and, like, it just never
1: – Yeah, I just think those – you know, coordinators should get their first head coaching jobs at the group of five schools. The SEC schools, I mean, to me, you're better than that. I would hire someone with some head coaching experience.
0: Yeah, and I'm um, just to throw some some more names out there that I think could potentially be in the running for, you know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, potentially, you know, Ole Miss, South Carolina, if they come up, if they end up coming open, um, you know, we talked about Jeff Trailer at UTSA. I mean, he would be right at the top of the list for those schools, I think. Um, you know, Jamie Chadwell at um, Liberty. Now he's, I mean, he is only in his first year. So he's I don't know would he leave after first. You're making a lot of money, big buyout, but he wins. And I mean, at the end of the day, like if you're, these coaches are competitive, they want to win at the highest level. You know, Liberty is a, is a solid place to be a coach, but you know, I think that a uh, cushion
1: job too. I mean, he's going to, he's going to finish undefeated this year and he care. can
0: definitely be picky.
1: He can. I mean, my, my belief is, is that I think Chadwell is going to wait for that South Carolina job I mean, I think Arkansas and Mississippi State should definitely take a look at him. I know that schools will say that he has some baggage and, um, and all that, maybe some gambling issues in the past. But people said the same thing about Mike Norvell. and right. And look at him. Mike Norvell is a very successful coach. He's going to probably have Florida State in the playoff, pending they don't get upset along the way. But, I mean, Chadwell's my belief is, is that he's going to want the South Carolina job. And I think he knows that that job is probably going to be open next year.
0: Yeah. One name that's gotten a ton of buzz, um, that's kind of fallen off is a Tom Herman. Um, you know, the former Texas coach, he's been out of, I mean, I don't know if he's been out of coaching, but he hasn't been coaching at the college level. I think he's been like an analyst for the bears. I want to say, um, since he got let go at Texas, but he's uh, in his first year at Florida Atlantic now. Um, they got off to a solid start, but they've had a couple of rough losses um, to UAB, who's not very good, and then they lost yesterday, a very ugly game, to a 1-8 ECU team, so some people are kind of down on him right now. Um, they may you know, want to see him turn FAU around before they start getting excited about him again, um, so I don't know if he's going to make the jump this year. Um and then uh, just some other names, like there's some older coaches, you know, who maybe their age is a little bit of a concern, but have, you know, kind of won um, everywhere they've been. Lance Leipold at, at Kansas is a guy to watch out for. Um, and then, of course, Willie Fritz at Tulane. You know, we've been big fans of him for a long time. Um, Tulane's having a really solid season this year, only lost just to Ole Miss. Um, they haven't really been dominant um, and Fritz had, did have some rough years at Tulane, uh, before he really got th- things rolling. So he's more of like a builder type coach. Um, Kurt Signetti at James Madison. Um, obviously they're having an outstanding season, um, has a ton of experience in the SEC, but he is very much on the older side. He definitely is. And,
1: you know, if I don't know if, you know, we've even thought about it off the tip of our tongue, but you know, there's always that random wildcard candidate that yeah. you know, I said earlier in the, earlier that could come out of left field that you just do not expect to take a job. If I had to throw a wildcard candidate that could take a big-time job, let's just say, let's play hypothetical. Let's say that A&M hires James Franklin. Or let's just say they don't. But let's just pretend that A&M and Penn State both happen to be open. What if Eli Drinkwitz back channels suddenly leaves Missouri. I'm not saying that's yeah. going to happen. I think but that's what happened at Notre Dame when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. Nobody saw that coming. There's always occasionally you get that wild card or Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. What if it's Eli Drinkwitz leaving Missouri?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Missouri, um, I, well, first of all, I think because of the success that they've had this year, um, it makes them a little bit more valuable as a job. Um, so I think, you know, they could potentially jump up into that category with, you know, typically I would have Missouri maybe a little bit below um, the other teams in the SEC aside from maybe Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, it is a better job than Vanderbilt for sure. But, uh, you know, I would have them in that tier with like Kentucky, um, you know, and obviously Mississippi State, Ole Miss,
1: Lower Arkansas, yeah, it's yeah. kind
0: of in a, in a similar tier. So it's kind of like a gray area there. I think it really just depends on the coach and the situation. Yeah um in terms of which is, job they would they would prefer out of those but. yeah
1: and that's one i think you could just see like it could come out of left field because i mean Eli Drinkwitz you know has things rolling this year and um they you know he was recruiting well it took him several years to get the program going but they play a really good sound football they're really good on the offensive line and defensive line on both sides of the ball they both losses they've had this year have been very close competitive losses that they could have won Maybe not as much a Georgia game, but the LSU game, they honestly should have won that game. They should only have one loss right now. I mean, that yeah. that's they're a very impressive football team. We saw what they did to Tennessee yesterday, blowing it open in the second half. I mean, that's a very impressive team that Drinkwitz has done. Got to give him credit, but I'm just throwing hypothetical here at that. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's always jobs that could come. I mean, look, Nick Saban could surprise everybody and retire. And then um, that's a
1: big dynamite job. You know,
0: someone could, you know, there's always a possibility a coach leaves to go to the NFL. I mean, I, I don't know who that would be. I mean, I don't Lincoln think. Lincoln
1: Riley is the one that's always been rumored.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, opportunities for um, these bigger jobs to come open. And once the NFL cycle starts rolling, like that's when it can really, you know, all hell
1: can break loose. That's really
0: when some of the blue bloods, like, have to start worrying. I mean, I think there's a really good chance Michigan comes open, you know. If uh,
1: that's my belief, I think Harbaugh goes
0: back to the NFL or
1: yeah, I think Michigan jobs open for sure this year. I think Harbaugh's leaving no matter what. And um, I would not be surprised if Lincoln Riley, even though he got paid a huge sum to go coach in LA for the USC Trojans. I think he realizes that, you know, losing Caleb Williams after this year and the, and then moving over to the big 10 is his offense going to flourish as much in the big 10 also his defense being as horrible as it is maybe this may be the year he gets out and wants to try his hand in the nfl
0: yeah so just um throwing out a few more um i'm I'm gonna throw out four more coaches who are head coaches at the g5 level right now just you know just keep an eye on and then uh, i have some coordinators a couple which we've already mentioned but um just um sorry um so toledo's head coach jason candle um obviously toledo's having a great year this year um, only one loss on the season. That was a a last second. Uh, I don't remember. Was it a hail mary they lost on to Illinois on? But it, it was the last second play that they lost. Um, he's had a really good season. Um, a lot of schools, uh, blue blood schools, have come after him to be a to be an offensive coordinator that he's turned down to stay the head coach at Toledo. So very respected as an offensive mind. Um, and his obviously, you know, Toledo. Just to be fair, they are kind of like, you know. I don't want to say they're the Alabama of the Mac, but they're, I mean, they're the school that like is going to recruit at the, at the higher level, the higher tier of the Mac. So, you know, just to keep that in mind, they are typically more talented. Uh, but we've seen Matt Campbell leave from there and have success at Iowa state. Um, so just an, um, just someone who's had some experience in winning. Um, and I'm going to mess up this name, um, GJ Kine or Kenny, um, at Texas state, really young guy, like 34, but he has had really explosive offenses everywhere he's been. Um, he was like a, I think he was an incarnate word last year. They yeah. put up huge numbers. They had Cam Ward, who's Kansas yeah. uh, Washington state quarterback uh, has been at Texas state this year. They've put up huge numbers or tops, you know, one of the top teams in the country in terms of total offense. Right. Um, really aggressive play caller. Um, there's another exciting one young guy. There's another, one. Oh, so there's
1: another one too. Um, I don't know if you mentioned him
0: or I'm about to, but I know who you're going to say, but you can go ahead and say it. Right. Lashley actually that so I had two names left and that was one of them and I thought you were going to say the other one who okay, was the other one <laughs> the other one was uh, Alex Golish at, at South Florida
1: yeah Golish um, he's only been that South Florida one year but that is a guy that's going to be a candidate I think in a few years because that guy runs a very exciting offense it's the same veer and shoot offense that Hypo runs at Tennessee and also Art Briles. very similar concepts if you want to score points that's a good one South Florida was absolutely horrendous last year, and he's made South Florida pretty respectable in his first year. So that's another guy. But I think Goalish next year is around this time is a name that people are going to really know.
0: Yeah. So you and you mentioned Lashley. I think he's another you know candidate, maybe a little bit more down the list for Arkansas. Uh, but he will be mentioned with the Arkansas job, I'm sure as well. Um, and then Goalish, like you mentioned, was the Tennessee offense coordinator last year and kind of has turned South Florida around this year. Um, so those are two names to keep in, in mind. I think Lashley, you know, with SMU moving to the ACC, we know SMU has a ton of money. You know, it's going to be tough to get him. And I'm not in love with him as a coach, but they are really good this year on both sides of the ball. Um so they're going he's to a power five to, next year. Yeah, so he's just someone to, to keep in mind. Um, and then I just mentioned, some. I just had some coordinators listed here, um, just some that have stood out to me. Um, and you, you know, can feel free to, throw in some more. If you, if you can think of any, um, Kendall Brawls is a name that I like as a head coach. I, I don't, the reason why just because he's been around for so long now as an offense coordinator, he's been at so many different schools. He's built a lot of relationships. So I feel like he could put together a really good staff. He's a really good recruiter. Um, obviously, you know, runs the same offense as his dad, which is a really explosive, you know, um, high tempo offense. Um, not, the greatest play caller of all time but I do really like his offense um, and his recruiting ability and ability to put together a staff so I think he's someone who could potentially be ready for a head coaching job I don't think Arkansas would want to hire him just because I think there was a lot of animosity about his play calling in his time there so I do kind of you know I'm not sure that Arkansas would really be interested in him I know Mississippi State fans have been enamored with Kendall Browse for uh, for a while now um, another name to watch out for is uh, Florida State's offensive coordinator Alex Adkins. Have you heard about him? Um, he is—he's really intriguing to me. I'm not sure he's ready for an SEC job, but um, has really come up through the ranks. Um, you know, he, played, he actually played at uh, Tennessee Martin. JB um, UT Martin, and he—he's uh, been an assistant at Florida State. Worked his way up from offensive line coach. Uh, took over play calling duties last year. Um, so he's a really, um, intriguing name, really great recruiter, um, you know, going to be a a hot coordinator name, probably, you know, I'm sure when, uh, you know, South Florida or FAU come open, he's definitely going to be a hot name there, or maybe even Memphis. Um, so that's just a name for people to know going forward. Um, Ryan Grubb is offensive coordinator at Washington. Um, you know, we know what they've done the last couple of years. Uh, He was at Fresno state, did a great job there. Um, you know high flying pass first offense, you know, so just someone to keep in mind. Um, You know, you mentioned Jeff Levy at Oklahoma, you know, I think Oklahoma fans would be willing to buy his ticket out of town at this point in time. They're not too happy with him right now, but um, has experience in the SEC um, at Ole Miss um, under Kiffin. He was at UCF, I think. Yeah, he was at UCF also. Um, So runs that same offense, um, explosive, a lot of points, um, you know, and he's got a lot of connections Mm -hmm. in the coaching circles as well. Um, and then lastly, the last name I have on my list here as a coordinator is, uh, Brian Hartline at, uh, Ohio state offense coordinator, um, you know, wide receivers coach, you know, maybe the best recruiter in the country right now in terms of assistance, um, you know, just an amazing recruiter, but again, it's, he's recruiting to Ohio state. So, I mean,
1: it's not a hard place to recruit. Yeah. So.
0: Not a hard place to recruit to at all, but, um, they recruit nationally. great recruiter. Um, you know, the play calling has not, the offense has not been as great this year, but the quarterback is not as great this year either. Um, so he's just someone to keep in mind. Um, I think he would actually be a great hire for like Kentucky since he's got the Ohio connection. But if that job ever came open, but um, just someone to keep in mind who is probably going to get mentioned as a coordinator. But anyway, I just want to, I just had a list of names, so I just wanted to go through all of them. Did you have uh, any thoughts on any of those guys or any other guys that you think uh, could be potential candidates for any of these open jobs?
1: Yeah, I mean, of all the ones on there, I mean, the one with the better resume is Jeff Lebby because he has coached under several um, pretty solid programs and coaches in the past. When he was at UCF, I can't remember if he was with Scott Frost or Josh Heupel. It was one of those two. Um, obviously, he coached at, at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Now he's the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, but he's pl- he's coached with other really good offensive minds and um, if there's a guy that deserves a chance to be a head coach at a power at a group of five level I think Jeff levy should definitely be that one of those guys and um, I think he's earned that right to have a chance at that I'm surprised that the one name that you not throw on there he was having a solid eight and two season this year scraping along Ryan Silverfield at Memphis
0: yeah you know i did think about that i mean it is funny to me to get rid of him that's what's that's what's so (laughs) funny about it is uh you know memphis they have a good record and their offensive numbers are actually pretty good but But if you look at their schedules if you talk to a memphis fan like i mean they would they would i mean and here's the thing too and i know you were probably going to mention this but obviously with cincinnati central florida houston all leaving the american and smu this year i mean it's Like it's not the same conference as it was a few years ago. I mean, it's like it's it's like
1: the old Conference USA. Yeah. So I mean, and
0: they're they're like barely getting by some of these games. I mean, they had to what they had to beat Charlotte in overtime yesterday. Yeah, they barely beat Charlotte. They blew a big lead against North Texas. I mean, they've
1: they squeaked out a game against Navy. Um, They've also, uh, well, I mean, we can pull up their schedule real quick. but But six of their eight games this year that they've won. They have not been convincing. The first two games were the most convincing. was when they beat Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State. Every other win they have has been a uh, very tightly contested win against not-so-good teams.
0: Yeah, and he's someone who also is not a fan of recruiting. I mean, he's someone who, you know, he's a lot more of just like a – wants to be like a football guy. Um, You know, that can be good in some instances, but I think in today's age, you know, you really have to get after it on the recruiting trail, and he's just – you know, hasn't been like that. And I, I think that their win total, you know, when you look at it might be a little bit inflated. Yeah. It may, it may not tell the whole story. Um, You know, that being said, if someone hired him, you know, they could probably sell it to their fan bases. It's like, Oh, look, he's look at his record of Memphis, but um, maybe a Kansas state type program. <laughs> yeah. I I think that hiring him would not be the best hire. My no, opinion. it wouldn't be. I mean, he's and take it from two people who live in Memphis and are very aware of the uh, good the goings on.
1: Oh yeah, Silverfield. Um, even though he is eight and two this year, that's not a very good eight and two Memphis team. They've had a lot of close wins, ugly wins, and um, there it's not anything like the Justin Fuente, and Mark Norvell teams at Memphis that dominated their opponents. And like you said, they're the American Athletic Conference is watered down now. It's not even a strong Group of Five conference anymore. Really, the better ones, the Sun Belt. I mean, after SMU leaves this year, starting next year, I mean, the best programs will be probably UTSA and Memphis.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I think, (laughs) uh, we're about 48 minutes in right now, so I think we should just go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Um, JB, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about any life advice you want to give out?
1: I think I'm pretty good. Um, as far as the, uh, life advice is, is, is concerned, um, I guess one thing I'd say, we're talking about life. Everyone, yeah, we're coming at the end of the year. Get yourself some life insurance. Um, <laughs>
0: if there is something you and, need and to And who get, can you call for life insurance, JV? Who can you call? Um, Well,
1: I am a, a licensed person in life insurance, but you don't have to call me necessarily. I'm just saying that if you want to give get some true life advice. The gift that keeps on giving. Get some life insurance. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's and obviously you're coming in there at the end of the year, new year's resolutions, the most common time of year when people get life insurance is usually after Christmas. So, if you need life insurance, um just shoot us a DM. I'll be happy to help you out with that or also you can just uh call your uh, local agent too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but we can uh you know, if your local agent doesn't want to sponsor JB, they can always they can always reach out to me. They, if they want to. If they want to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> we can. We can get them a shout out. and get Maybe throw some business there. I way. mean,
1: both of us have jobs that are not just work. You know, working on the SEC slow smoke. Or SEC slow smoke yeah. podcast. I mean, the
0: SEC slow smoke is our main source of income, but we do have just a nine to five to keep us busy during the week. We do. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be it for uh, this episode. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. I'm sure there'll be some new updates to the coaching search that we'll touch on, as well as preview. Um, you know. Not the most exciting week, but there will be football played next Saturday. And, hey, if you bet on the spreads, all the games are exciting. So uh, come join us on Tuesday as we'll give out um, our spread picks, locks of the week, upset picks, all that fun stuff. Um, So uh, until then, we will see you on the next one.